Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions to Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. Well, today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. And big uh, in the news today is the impeachment to remove from office a former president who is no longer in office. Um, But, yeah, that's a little bit, I think, has been dominating the news cycle today. Uh, I think it's pretty confusing for most uh, Americans what's going on. So what do you know about it, Doug? I don't don't know if if it's really confusing or not. I think... uh, I think this political theater has been going on for quite yeah. some time, and I think that people, I don't know, I, I, I just think it's, its do you really have any doubt what's going to take place in the next two weeks? I mean, or one week, ever how long it takes, mm-hmm. the Democrats are going to vote to impeach, the Republicans, all but maybe a few, are going to vote to acquit, he's not going to be convicted, and... Uh, everybody for the next week will get to say why they think they, sh- you know, he's innocent or guilty of this charge, mm-hmm. and why it's a sham. It's politics. Both sides will blame the others, and then nothing else will happen about it. I mean, it's it's really a waste of taxpayer money, mm-hmm. and it's a distraction to things going on in our country. And you know, um, I just think that. Uh, by the way, do you know how many impeachments there have been? uh in history mm, four um of presidents i mean yeah yeah, yeah. four mm-hmm. four of them and trump is two yeah. <laughs> two of them yeah but how many have been convicted none yeah not one yeah. and that's because the framers of the constitution uh the way they put it into place was to protect against politically motivated mm-hmm. uh vendetta is being taken and that's what this is basically um nobody in in there i mean well let me restate that there are a lot of people that may believe donald trump uh, upset people with things he said or might have uh been uh, unwise in what he said but what happened on january 6th by the words of the very investigators that have been investigating this who uh, if they have any political agenda, it's against President Trump, these mm-hmm. investigators. So they would have no reason to um, to defend him. But they weren't even talking about him. They were saying this was a well-planned, pre-planned event. This yeah. was not something that spontaneously happened because somebody stood up and said, and it was not, and it was a mix of people. You had Antifa that was involved. You had QAnon people that were involved. So it was a mix of people. And then just people who saw what was going on and started walking, you know, that way and the doors were open for them and they said, oh, what's going on here? You know, I saw the video of people in wheelchairs. You can't tell me they were serious insurgents. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking to. Yeah. Those are not the people that you want to put 
put up there uh, to go carry out insurgency against a government. But, you know, when you think about what's happening, um, it, it's I, I think uh, like one guy said, it'll it'll run its course over the next week or so. And then we'll move on to something else. Mm. Uh, they're going to they're they're going to use it as a way to try to marginalize Trump supporters in Congress and Trump supporters People who were, you know, loyal to President Trump, well, and, and just his party in general, yeah, the Republican yeah, just party try to minimize yeah. them. And so, I think, you know, I think a, a greater thing. You and I were talking right before we uh, came on the air. Uh, Time Magazine came out um, with a article. I think it, they talked about it in Newsweek also, but it was called "The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign," and it said how uh it saved the 2020 election uh in other words it talked about saving the election for our country that joe biden was the answer our country needed donald trump had to be removed um and i think uh it, molly ball is the person that wrote it but what's crazy to me is there are a lot of people who believe this election was fraudulent it had it had ballots dumped in the middle of the night that were fraudulent there were manipulation on voting machines that were fraudulent uh, maricopa county out in arizona now is refusing to let the state congress audit the machines mm. why is that why why would you i mean why would you prohibit people from checking machines and looking at at records and stuff like that the, the election's over President Biden's up there. So what? What's the problem? You're supposed to maintain records for voting. I mean, you're supposed to maintain all these ballots for people to inspect in case there's questions. And so uh, the, this article doesn't say anything illegal was done, but what it does say that is shocking to me is that there was a concerted effort on the part of the political left and progressives, mainstream media. Corporate America, you know, guys who were leading like AT&T and Mm -hmm. all these big corporations to tilt the table towards Joe Biden. I mean, basically to make it possible. So whether it's Twitter not airing Hunter Biden's story uh, or censoring Christians who are putting stuff out there or conservatives who are putting stuff out there, all this, this is pretty significant in the sense that they're just openly saying, hey, we did it. Yeah, and it is ridiculous. I'll read a part of it. Um, this I this is what I the first thing I saw of the article, and I had to go back to read through it because it's so it seems so absurd on its face. But that's why the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told, even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across ind- industries and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions change rules and laws steer media coverage and can control the flow of information they were not rigging the election they were fortifying it and they believe the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in america endures and they go on to talk about if trump had a one they were they were ready to riot yeah well they they were and that's why they were boarding up the boarding up the stores and everything but here's what's crazy uh do you remember back in december president trump said there was an orchestrated effort to anoint Joe Biden as the winner mm-hmm. before 
he had actually won. And and states were still counting, right, and what was going on. And basically this article that Molly Ball wrote said that he was right. There was that effort. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes. This is O.J. Simpson's If I Did It, except for it's, yeah, we did it. Yeah, we did it. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had this informal alliance between left-wing activists and business owners. I mm-hmm. mean, big business owners. Uh, and it was formalized in a little-notice joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO, which was published on November 3rd, and it said both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, destructive racial justice protest in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. That's what they said. So basically, uh, capital, as they call it, the, the big business come together, hey, don't destroy our stores, and we'll help you get whoever you want in the office. Yeah, well, the the big story is that you had the Chamber of Commerce, which is a big organization, mm-hmm. and the AFL-CIO working together in a concentrated effort to determine who the presidency was going to be. And uh, they weren't just allowing it to be a fair process. They wanted to tilt it one way. Now, uh, there was a guy last night who I heard on the news talking about, uh, he wrote an article, I'm not even sure where it was, called 30 Tyrants, but it's about China. And China's the big winner in all this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that uh, President Biden is going to relax things with China. Um, and that's exactly what China wants. China owns a lot. They own a lot of our debt. They own a lot of real estate in the United States. Mm-hmm. They own a, a lot of companies that are into making things for the military. And, you know, listen, if God chooses to allow China to come take over this country, that's God's sovereign hand, and he can do that. But people out there who are oblivious to all this stuff, I hope you're ready. I'm ready because I, I have my relationship with Christ uh, and that's above everything. And so whatever happens, I'm at peace because I know God is doing it. But we have lived in a country where we've had a freedom to tell people about Christ unhindered, and we've squandered it. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, like I said a few weeks ago, that that we are going into a time where you're going to see Christians persecuted. You are going to see Christians um, marginalized and if you stand for Christ, if you stand for his truth, you are going to see things happen. So I hope you're prayed up and I hope you're read up and uh, you're walking with him close because we're going to need him uh, to lead us through some of these times we're going through. Yeah, so make sure you stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. 
Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. That is Brother by Need to Breathe. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we have been talking a little bit about the news of the day. Um, uh, that's kind of transpired over the past week and over the weekend. Um, and just kind of what's going on in the country, which is, like I say, what we do uh, in the first segment of each day. Sometimes it spills over a little bit into the second. And then after that, we get into uh, the passage that we're going to be looking at and uh, today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Uh, that's what we're looking at this week. Uh, so that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, Doug, I read this article uh, over the weekend that talked about uh, the last pagan generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I sent it to you. I don't know if you had a chance yeah, to read it. I, I, did, I did. I saw. I, yeah, I got the interview. But uh, just about how in Rome uh, they came in, the Christians took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everybody just kind of because the society had been you know kind of had rotted out from the inside and that it didn't offer much for people um and that because of that a new uh thing was ascending and then talking about the parallels to the american uh society and how you know the the church and stuff has been kind of defunct defunct for a while and that there's a new religion uh on the rise and i, I just thought it was pretty interesting and it it hit me out hit me as man i I can relate to this pretty well um but you know just kind of in light of that what do you think the the uh the response should be for us well here here's the thing for god's people what's the mission of the church to make disciples yeah to, to preach the word, the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey all that God commanded, right? Mm-hmm. So I taught this morning over on the west side uh, of town, and I was sh- sharing with the guys that for us, that means we speak truth. That means that we don't compromise on truth. That's... Uh, we, we speak the truth about God's design for men and women, which is to be in a heterosexual marital relationship, producing children for the passing on of the faith to future generations. We're, the family is the base unit of the faith community. Mm-hmm. And so we don't compromise on that message, even though our culture and our courts 
and our politicians are telling us, no, this is what family looks like. Listen, this is not minimizing that you, you, you can be a family as a single parent and children. There's people that are forced. That's not God's ideal, though. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. It's just the ideal for God was that his people would procreate and pass the faith down to future generations through the children as they modeled and taught their children. Well, it's also to teach uh, teach his truth that, um, you know, the, if you look at the messages, in fact, next uh, this week at SWAT, we're looking at the very first apostolic message after the church was born. Mm. So Peter's first message. And really, when you look at that message Peter preached, and you look at all the subsequent message Peter preached and Paul preached, you see almost the same formula, that Jesus is Messiah, and that as Messiah, he fulfilled not only a kingship role, but a savior role. He, he was dual-rolled. The problem with a lot of Christians in this country is we tend to only look at Jesus from a suffering savior role. Uh, the Jews would have looked at Jesus from a king. They wanted a king mm-hmm. in the line of David. Um, there's there's call, there's two names for him, the son of David, and some think that in the Jewish tradition he's the son of Joseph. The Messiah was the son of Joseph. Why Joseph? Because Joseph, not Joseph in the New Testament, mm-hmm. Joseph in the Old Testament, he was sold by his brothers into slavery and ended up going to prison suffering then he rose up and actually delivered his people. And they had a hard time with that. That's why in a lot of Jewish synagogues, you don't hear Isaiah 53 read because they don't, they don't get the whole suffering Messiah thing. In fact, we don't even know a lot of times that word Messiah means anointed one. Kings were anointed, priests were anointed, and prophets were anointed. And Jesus was the coming anointed one, Messiah, and he was the Messiah that was going to deliver his people as prophesied in the Old Testament and the the scriptures. And so when Peter preached about him, he was preaching that Jesus is that one and that we need to recognize his lordship and we need to repent. Peter was saying, you guys messed up. Well, think about it. What do you what do you hear in most churches in America when you hear preaching? If you hear preaching. I mean, a lot of times we don't even hear preaching. Mm. A lot of times what we hear is storytelling or we hear, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to say that you can't get up and teach. But preaching was God's method for getting that gospel out to people and expanding the church, which we're studying. And so what's the first thing that happened after the pouring out of the Holy Spirit? Peter stands up and he preaches. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a committee meeting to say, hey, guys, what do we do now? Okay, we let's come up with a plan. He had already given the plan. Start where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so as we look in Acts chapter 2, and uh, this week, and we, you know, we look at um, we we look at what the unfolding plan of God includes. It hasn't stopped just because our government uh, has kind of gone 
into a direction that is leaning more secular mm-hmm. and more anti-God than God. It doesn't matter what our president says about his views about faith. What happens is when you see his legislation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, so if our leader is legislating and codifying aborting babies and killing babies, that 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 is not coming from mm-hmm. the one true living God. Yeah. You know, if he's codifying homosexuality, which is an aberration of God, or codifying uh, transgenderism, which is an aberration of God, that that is not coming from the one true living God. So our country may, may very well be pagan in its leadership, but God's church still has an opportunity to do what he's called us to do, which is preach the good news. What about, uh, you know, for people who are, you know, walking through this time of, you know, uh, I guess the post-Christian era, uh, and they're in a church, and what are some good things to really coalesce around to realize if a church is, you know, maybe strayed from the Christian teaching, the Christian message? Because there are progressive churches out there who, say abortions okay who say that uh, if your church is teaching anything that dilutes or that uh, it teaches bad doctrine of the bible in other words it dilutes the purity of the gospel or it rejects the purity of his word then i'd leave that church yeah what about for young christians who don't really know a whole lot about doctrine you need to be in the bible you need to be reading the bible listen god will preserve his people he will preserve his remnant but his word is our authority his word is what relays who he is what he's about and and this i just want to go back to this preaching thing for a second because it's so important to understand you know there's a difference between preaching and teaching Preaching, uh, well, teaching is sitting in the living room with your kids Mm. saying, hey, you don't run in the street um, because cars can hurt you. That's teaching. You're teaching them. Preaching is you see your kids out by the road, you holler, hey, get out of the street. Cars are going to hurt you. You have this sense of urgency and passion about the truth you're communicating to the people that are listening mm. now the church for thousands of years has been um really characterized by preaching preaching the gospel you do have teaching that takes place but the church stop and think about it every week the church would come together and there was this preaching of god's word which is explaining his word with passion to people so that as his followers hear it they are encouraged, exhorted, and um, and led to keep walking in obedience no matter what's going on around them. And for those who come who maybe not be all in with him, the hope is that they would be persuaded to have their minds changed about Jesus because their eyes are open. They repent and become part of that body and part of the people that are reaching out to others. And so it starts with people preaching the word. I mean, you see it over and over in Acts. In Romans 10, Paul says, how are they going to know if you don't preach? Mm. But see, preaching has become a very, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but it's uh, next week, um, 
people have made preaching a bad thing. And and you can tell by when somebody says, hey, man, you're preaching at me. Mm. Preaching was always a good thing. The preaching of the gospel, the preaching of God's word. But we've used that so negatively now. Oh, he preaches, man. I don't like that church because he just gets up and preaches at us. Mm. Well, you know, I want somebody that's funny. I want somebody that kind of. You know, they, they weave in truth, and but they, you know, they make it easy to swallow. How easy do you think it was to swallow when Jesus said, you killed him? I mean, when Peter said that in Acts mm. chapter 2, when he said, you killed him. Think about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, that, that there wasn't nothing easy to swallow about that, because where was he preaching that at? In Jerusalem, mm-hmm. where they killed Christ. Yeah. And so when you there was no sugarcoating and people go, well, that was just him. Go read all of his messages. Read how they responded. Remember how they responded to Stephen when he preached? Said they they killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, you are if you preach boldly the gospel into a pagan culture, you're not going to probably be received very well. Yeah. Um but who will receive you well? Those that are his. So if you're listening out there and you are sharing with somebody and they receive it, take them to the word. Get them in the word. That's the key. Staying in God's word, reading God's word. My wife and I were talking about it the other day about how it's so easy if you're not in the word to be deceived and misled. Mm-hmm. And most people uh, really are falling prey to a lot of traditions and a lot of beliefs that are what other people spoon-fed them that they have no idea where their scriptural basis for it, if there even is a scriptural basis. So we have to get back to the Word of God. All right, we are up against the news break. We'll be back with more after the news. Uh, We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at doug at swatradio.com. That's doug at swatradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as those listening in Meridian, Mississippi on WMER and all of you listening here locally at 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. They say sometimes you win some Sometimes you lose some And right now, right now I'm losing bad Stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Mercy Me with Even If. If you are just joining us, we took the first uh, half of the the uh, program today to talk a little bit about the news of the day and uh, just kind of how we should respond as Christians. What we are looking at this week, though, is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Uh, But if you did miss anything that we talked about in the first half and you would like to go back and listen, uh, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com and go to the past programs 
portion and then about an hour after the show is done it'll be up there for you to listen or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT radio and you can also download our SWAT app in the app store well i have a feeling you you've kind of just been delaying the inevitable of the elephant in the room we've got to get into the languages today of acts chapter two and um you know we've been in acts um we jumped in acts a couple of weeks ago and when luke wrote this he wrote the the letter to really accurately document God's working through Jesus and then Jesus' followers through the power of the Holy Spirit to take the message that Jesus is Messiah to the world and and bring that message. And the theme of all the preaching in Acts is the risen Christ. And that is the hinge point of our faith. I mean, if Christ wasn't resurrected, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, but he was. And so Luke um, records in Acts 1 how God... Uh, you know, uh, worked through these apostles, even in selecting uh, the apostle that would take Judas's place as one of the 12 and how he, he was working through them. He had a very specific plan for them at the birth of the church. And that's what we're talking about this week, how God memorialized the birth of the church in Acts chapter two. And we see a supernatural reveal. We talked about it yesterday, how when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and the 120 people that were there, it was on the day of Pentecost. It's in the text. And that was very significant because Pentecost was um, 50 days after Passover. And it was also during the Feast of Harvest of Wheat. And that was a thanksgiving offering of bringing the first fruits of the wheat harvest to God and bringing two loaves of bread that were made with leaven, which is different from the first feast Mm -hmm. during um, unleavened bread, which happened the day after Passover. They brought unleavened bread to the to the temple, and that represented Christ that uh, he was the Passover lamb. But this second feast represented the church. It was a thanksgiving. Remember what Jesus prayed in Matthew? He said, Lord, or the disciples prayed. He tells them, pray that God would raise up laborers for the harvest. And here they are. And and this is being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit's coming on them. They're being baptized in the Spirit for the first time. Where had had God always resided prior to this day? The holiest, the holiest, the temple. In the temple, right? And so... What were they doing until this day? They were going back and forth to the temple. Now, here's what's significant, Taylor, is on the day of Pentecost, at 9 a.m. is when this happened, right? Do you mm-hmm. know when 9 a.m., what that was? That was the first meeting for the prayer for the day for the people in the temple. Mm. So all the people that had come from all over the world to this feast would have been going up the southern steps or the Southern Stairs. Herod built the Southern Stairs. I've been there many times. Mm. I've had the privilege of teaching on that that place. And what's cool is that's where Jesus most likely taught his disciples. It was a place where rabbis, it was called the rabbi steps, because they would teach their students there. Mm. Because in the temple is where they went in and they offered prayers and praise, but the teaching that would have taken place there. And it was the processional where people would go up to the temple from coming from Jericho or wherever they came. They would go up those steps. Is this also probably where Jesus was found when he was 13 
and or twelve, and he probably was, more yeah. than likely this is where he would have been. And so, as we talked about during this supernatural reveal yesterday, um, talking about the uh, Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of confusion about the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit is positional; it's not something we seek. It's something God sovereignly bestows on us when the Holy Spirit unveils the truth to us and we respond to the gospel message. At that moment, God brings the Holy Spirit into our life. Okay, he, bring, he, he baptizes us like Jesus talked about in John chapter 3. So at salvation, we are baptized in the Spirit and at the same time we're filled. So they're simultaneous at conversion right but later what happens one guy like i said yesterday said well we kind of leak out the spirit over you know that we have to continually be filled that's why paul commands us in ephesians five eighteen to be filled with the spirit and so we were looking at that and our pursuit is to be filled and what that means is not just feeling some emotional feeling it's not an emotional experience it can be but Usually, if it's an emotional experience, it means because you're yielded to the Spirit's leadership obeying God's Word. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Um, The same thing that we see in Ephesians 5.18, the fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, self-control, all those things are mentioned over in Colossians 3. But instead of saying being filled, he's saying, he says, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. And what that means is, Filled with the Spirit is equal obedience to the Word. And so that's what we talked about yesterday. So what's the deal with the languages, right? Well, yesterday we talked about um, the tongues or languages, and this is a unique thing God is doing where he's pouring out his Spirit, and the disciples, the apostles, and the 120 start simultaneously speaking about the great works of God in a foreign tongue. And that was never done before in this history of Israel because the works of God were proclaimed from his word in Hebrew and Aramaic. Mm. And so this was a unique transition for the church. It was something that God was doing to do a sign to the people that were at the temple that day to say, okay, the gospel is there's a lot of different meanings, but one of them is the gospel is open to all languages, not just Hebrew. And and also, as he spoke these mighty works of God in Hebrew, I mean, in all these different Gentile languages, it was a sign of judgment. And we're going to get into that tomorrow. But I want to go back to this issue of languages, because in um, uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, when Cornelius repented and Mm -hmm. and received christ he spoke in tongues or languages Mm -hmm. it's known languages in 19 followers of john the baptist anticipating messiah they spoke in a foreign language as well a known language and it happened when the apostles came and prayed that they would receive the holy spirit and peter said hey how could we deny them uh you know, admittance into our group Mm -hmm. because the same thing that happened to us happened to them. I personally believe the same thing happened to the Samaritans in chapter 8. It just doesn't mean, remember when Mm -hmm. Peter went and prayed there that they receive it? Yeah. And it was so amazing that Simon goes, hey, 
pray that I can make this happen in people too. And Peter says, hey, you better watch out. You better pray that God doesn't strike you down, basically. Yeah. And so, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians, tongues are these languages will cease. And the gift of tongues or languages is seen from the birth of the church until about the late 50s A.D. Uh, it's not written about in the pastoral epistles. It's not written about in Hebrews. It was written to a group of believers over in and around Rome or John's letters. Now, why is that? If it's something and people go, well, Paul wrote about it, he did. He was correcting abuses for it in Corinthians, but it, it, it was never part of the normative orthodox teaching of the church, the early church. Mumbling something that you've learned from somebody else is not what's going on in Acts chapter 2. These people spontaneously spoke the mighty works of God in a great language, and you go, well, where did it come from? Well, back in the early 1900s, a guy named Charles Parham in Topeka, Kansas, um, began teaching. He was a Methodist evangelist, and he taught that you should seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of that is that you speak in tongues. Now, what they initially described as a known language, um, they thought some of the people there were speaking uh, Chinese. They thought they were writing Chinese, except when a Chinese person saw it and heard it, they go, that ain't Chinese. Mm. They sent missionaries out to go to the mission field who were speaking gibberish. They were speaking unintelligible language to anybody around here, but they thought they were speaking this foreign language. They go to the mission field. They believe God was giving them that gift, and when they got there, the people didn't understand them. So they came back, and what happened is they had to redefine this ecstatic speech as a private prayer language. Uh, It's been referred to as a secret code between you and God that the devil doesn't understand. There's no place in Scripture that addresses a private prayer language that Satan doesn't understand. That it, it, that that is reading into the text something that's simply not there. Uh, mumbling something that you've learned from somebody else is not what's going on in Acts chapter two. These were known languages that were being spoken as God poured out His Spirit. In fact, when Peter's preaching just a few verses later, what we're going to look at this week in the SWAT meetings. Peter's actually preaching to them in their language. I mean, he's preaching to them mm-hmm. about what Christ did. The, the, the languages part was a sign initially, kind of an introduction to his message. Then he goes into the body of his message mm-hmm. talking about Messiah. So that's what's going on here. And when we come back, and people are welcome to call if they have any questions about this. Yeah, we'll be back with more after the break. If you would like to call in, you can call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. 
We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is Red Letters by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21 this week, and we are talking uh, currently about uh, the part where uh, the Spirit is poured out on uh, the, the disciples of the apostles and the 120 with them, um, and they started to speak in tongues or languages. Uh, so if you have any questions about that or would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. Here's the thing. You know, if the gift of speaking in tongues were active and normative in the church today, then it would be performed in agreement with God's word, which is basically it would be a real intelligible known language mm-hmm. uh, that would be for the purpose of communicating God's works in his yeah. word. Right. And it would be in agreement with the command God gave through Paul that says, if anybody speaks in a tongue two or at most three should speak one at a time, somebody must interpret. If there's no interpreter, he says, then the speaker should be quiet. And, but it was a known language. It was somebody would have known that it was a, uh, intelligible language. Now, linguists have studied the supposed people that speak in tongues, mm-hmm. and a lot of the instances where they've researched them, the people that are doing this, and it's done in pagan religions too, it's not a known language. Mm. It's not anything, it doesn't even resemble a known language. Um, uh, you know, so... I, I want to I want to make it clear too. God can give anyone the gift of uh, uh, language at any moment to speak in a foreign language to somebody if needed. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is sovereign over that, and it appears as if that normative use only lasted about twenty five to thirty years. Um, the vast majority of people today who claim the practice of speaking in these tongues or languages um, don't do so in agreement with Scripture, it appears. Uh, I'm not with them all the time, uh, but I've seen abuses of this. And if anybody claims that that comes from Acts 2, that is not the scriptural basis for what they're doing. Because what happened on that day had a very specific purpose for God's people in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost to hear the message in a Gentile language because that was prophesied, and we're going to look at that tomorrow 
in Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and Jeremiah uh, because it explains what God is doing at that moment during the birth of the church. Remember, this is a supernatural event. This is the birth of the church where God's pouring out his spirit. People are hearing things. They're seeing tongues of fire, all kinds of things going on. And um, again, people today end up thinking that the key to their spiritual growth and understanding of Scripture is an outpouring of God's power like happened then. And so they just, they either you know, are taught to speak some kind of unintelligible language or they emulate other people doing it that they see on TV or hear on the radio or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they hope that, but and the, and I think a lot of them genuinely have a desire to be close to God. They want it so mm-hmm. bad that they they want to try anything. But uh, but it doesn't come from Acts two. What happened in Acts two was unique to those people at that time. And in Acts chapter uh, eight, ten, and nineteen, during the transition of the church, it was the birth of the church, and the Samaritans, the Gentiles. And even these Old Testament uh, saints, these believers of John the Baptist who followed him, they had to be welcomed in to that body because the the miracle of what was going on in the mystery is there was one body and one spirit. There was one baptism for people. So remember, they said we were just baptized by John. There wasn't different baptism. Mm -hmm. There's one in the name of Jesus. And we're going to see this week at SWAT, and we'll talk about next week on the radio, the significance of those baptisms and what this one spirit, going back to talking about the temple itself, the temple was always where the people went to be with God. Now God is pouring out his spirit not in a place but on a people that are going to take that and do what Jesus did because think about it. Wherever Jesus went when he walked the earth, that's where God manifested his spirit. Mm -hmm. So now that happens in his followers, you and me. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. I I do have a question, though. Um, You know, when it says the veil was torn uh, after Jesus died, Uh uh, did the spirit leave the uh, temple at that point? Um, Or, you know, just kind of clarify that a little bit. Well, because to me, I always read it that, you know, the veil was torn, and uh, that means that, you know, the, the uh, bridge between God and man uh, through Christ is being gapped, uh, but also that, um, you know, the spirit, I kind of, I guess, I don't know who said it or whatever, that the spirit had left uh, at that point. But then I was thinking, well, would that, would that have, you know, happened when, you know, Christ came to earth and was born or you know well i think think about what happened how merciful god was he gave them a transition period right mm-hmm. from the birth of the church right it, from the birth of the church which was um you know 50 days after christ was crucified he gave them a period of about 40 years right mm-hmm. that 40 years was a transition period for them because what happened in 70 AD? The temple was destroyed. It was destroyed. Yeah. So is there any question that the spirit left in 70 AD? Yeah, it was gone. I, I, I mean, and it, I really believe that on the day of Pentecost, God's, God said, this is where the spirit is now. It's mm-hmm. in my people, not in a geographical place. But he gave them 
a transition period uh, because, you know, the disciples were going to the temple to pray, but they were praying to God, not in the same way that the Jews from around were going in there praying to God, because they were going in there praying to God, the Father, understanding that God the Son was intervening for Mm -hmm. them, right? Yeah. And so they had a very different approach, and they were going there waiting for God to reveal his spirit to them. Right. And so they would have been there, uh, I believe, at the Southern Steps at 9 a.m. on Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit poured out that day on them. And, uh, you know, Taylor, I've been there, like I said, and by the way, I would love to people to go with us. We're hopefully going to get going back over there again. But it is absolutely fascinating to go see it, and you get an understanding of how a lot of our understanding of Scripture has been tainted by our Western mindset. Mm. But you can see how contextually a lot of these things that uh, I'm saying happen there. One, there's one thing there, and we'll get more into this next week, uh, Jewish baths or mikvahs are all around those southern steps. Mm. I mean, literally, there's hundreds of them over there. How many people were baptized that day? Thousand, three thousand, yeah. three thousand. They weren't up in some upper little room, right? Baptizing three thousand people. Uh, the people normally would have been going there at nine a.m. So when Peter stood up more than likely that's where they were. And so going over there and sitting on those southern steps, you just get this this sense of, of this is where Jesus taught. He had this unfolding plan to reveal how God was going to use the church. And from that point on, it began to be the thing that was preached, Messiah's come, Messiah's Jesus And this is why you should believe. And he would always take him back. Peter, Paul, whoever was preaching would take them back to the Old Testament text, to the Bible. That's why when a preacher stands up and say, we got to divorce ourselves from the Bible, we got to get away from, you know, we just got to tell people about the resurrection. Part of the significance of the fact that Jesus is Messiah is that he's the prophesied one. From the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So how do you divorce yourself from God's word that projects he's coming when you're preaching about him coming? You know, I I mean, there's these men who sat there and attested and witnessed to the fact that he was resurrected and he fulfilled these prophecies were Jewish and would have known those texts. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, it lays a foundation for understanding who Jesus was, who he said he was, what he did, why it's so significant. If you don't read the Old Testament, if you don't know the Old Testament, then how are you going to really grasp that? So that's why we should be preaching about the gospel even to believers. You know, we have this sense that, oh, I've heard the gospel. Mm. I don't need to hear it anymore. Really? So are you able to connect why um, they spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost? Uh, and, and they spoke in these unknown languages, how that relates to Isaiah or Jeremiah or Moses, because all that's gospel stuff too, because the word gospel is good news. 
It, it, it means, uh, it's euangelion, which means our God reigns and we are forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he's our savior, it's he's our, he's our king. He's the anointed one who was promised. That is significant because there was a promised one that goes all the way back to Genesis mm-hmm. chapter 3. Yeah. And in Genesis chapter 3, ever since then, they were looking forward to Messiah. The problem with those people is they had a picture of what Messiah looked like. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm afraid we have a picture of what it's going to look like when he returns mm-hmm. a second time. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe we've constructed something based on faulty theology like they had so that when he came the first time, they killed him. Yeah. They killed him. Yeah. Those Jewish people that should have been looking for him, he fulfilled all these prophecies and they killed him. And Peter said that very clearly. And that's what we're getting into this week. So, uh, right before he, uh, he started talking and they said, you know, Hey, they're drunk. And he said, well, it's only 9am or it's only the third hour. Um, was part of the reason maybe that they were thinking that was, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that they only spoke in Hebrew, the words of the Bible was them speaking in another language would have been seen as a bad thing to do. Well, well yeah, they, well, they, they had never heard it. You, yeah. you didn't proclaim God's work in their native language. Yeah. They only heard those things proclaimed in Hebrew or Aramaic. And so when we come back tomorrow, we're going to see why that's so significant. And if you want to go ahead, read Deuteronomy 28, Isaiah 28 and Jeremiah 5. Isaiah 28, Deuteronomy 28, Jeremiah 5, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about why that's significant that they were proclaiming those words in a foreign tongue. So make sure you tune in. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual